Renthal Fat Bars are synonymous with off-road world champions. The Renthal Street Fat Bar draws from decades of experience to create the ultimate 28mm handlebar in a range of street-specific bends. Whether you're looking to alter the height, width, rise, or sweep of your handlebar, Renthal Street Handlebars offer a bend to suit your requirements. Use the WorksFit Handlebar Comparison Tool at Renthal.com to find the perfect bend. Hello and welcome to the Paddock Pass podcast brought to you by Renthal Street. On today's pod, we're looking forward to the Dutch round of World SBK. Myself, Steve Ingers and Gordon Ritchie here at uh, the TT circuit in Assen. Freezing. And uh, it is freezing, Gordon. That's going to be one of the big talking points that we're going to have, I think, through the course of this weekend. Because I woke up this morning and it was it was raining, it was windy, it's cold here in, in northern, northern Netherlands. And uh, we're obviously back in action after a seven-week gap. And everyone's kind of ready to go back to work, but kind of forgotten what's uh, what's happened over the course of the season so far. Yeah, I mean, it's so long ago, Indonesia feels like a million years ago. Um, we started with a big bang, two rounds in succession, two long hauls. Australia, always great to be there. Indonesia, great, wacky race. It's just unique. Um, and then we stopped. Okay, we've had a couple of tests. For some people, not everybody. Some people never tested at all. So that's, it's really weird because we started with such a bang and all that effort to do long hauls. And then all of a sudden there was seven weeks of nothing that we ended uh, tomorrow when we started on track again. Obviously enough, Gordo, when you look at the season so far, Alvaro Bautista, he's won five out of the five races he's finished. Top Rack won the other. But Top Rack's the best part of 40 points down on Alvaro at this stage. We come to Assen, a track Top Rack hasn't had the most success at but one that he's actually always been pretty fast at over the last few years. So it becomes really important for him to be able to get winning races this weekend and uh, give himself a chance. Yeah, um, the fight back has to start now, because otherwise Alvaro's just going to motor away, um, which I don't think anybody wants to see. Even if I were a Ducati PR manager, I'd be wanting to win the championship at the end. You know, Make sure of it, but don't win by with four rounds to go. It's never good news for anybody. Um so there has to be genuine progress made from top right. Johnny's in a different world at the minute. Normally it's the big three. What we expected to be at the start of the season was a big three, and that's not even developed, um, which has allowed the opportunities for other people. But in terms of wins, yeah, we have to. The realistic challenger right now is top right, and he has to start making inroads right away. Can't really talk about top right without the big news. And that was his MotoGP test in Aragon. Yeah. You just talked to Toprak. What was the the feeling from him? Um, he's he's moved on from his dream being a World Superbike champion because he's been that, and now a dream he has is to go to MotoGP. It would be great if Toprak went to MotoGP. It would be bad news for us in a way, but if he did well, it'd be good news. Um, I've got a feeling he might not go because the MotoGP guys are just the more GP guys, they see things through their own prism. But they also, if in terms of PR and in terms of another rider that can do, could possibly do very well for them, uh, Top Rack should be there. The problem I see, the one big problem with Top Rack is what is it? What's his riding styles? All front end. It's all high pressure on the front tyre. What's the problem that MotoGP has in general at the minute, according to all the, the, the stories and all the people I speak to in MotoGP, is the front tyres are overheating too much, losing, getting too much pressure, losing grip. That's the opposite 
of what Top Rack would want to find when he goes to MotoGP to race. So, I think even just the technology at the minute, everything else is, is there's a few wee what's and ifs. You will know more about it than me, Steve. Let's have a quick listen to some of what Top Rack had to say. Yeah, I'm enjoying. Also, completely different bike after the Superbike, especially. And because the Superbike more soft bike, a GP more hard bike. And uh, the tires completely different you know and uh, the, also the riding style is completely different because you ride the super bike more stop go and uh, the gp bike uh, you need to more keep the speed inside the corner and uh, i try to adapt this because uh, after super bike you know completely different and uh, for me it's a big difference the seat position and i feeling very high and uh, super bike you know I am more enjoying because I see it more inside the bike and GP is completely different and I'm just riding and try to enjoy and finish the test. Now we are coming, we are come to the Asen. I come back to my job. To compare the bike, you, you mentioned the, the GP bike and the super bike, they're both Yamaha, but how are they so different? I don't just, you say one's harder, one's softer, but does it still feel like a Yamaha, but more? No, it's it a feel... completely different bike. So it's not like the yeah. same character? No, it's a completely okay. different bike. Okay. Okay, uh, the braking, I try, I'm enjoying with the braking. Just the problem, uh, the first bike not easy stopping because the super bike and GP is different, you know. And, uh, but the, the big, big difference, the style, because the uh, GP style is completely different. You need to more keep the speed inside the corner, not to try to stop like a superbike. Good to hear from Toprak, but uh, like you said before that, Gordo, one of the big challenges that he'll have is his big advantage that we have in superbikes. I actually wrote about it on worldspk.com for this week, is that Toprak's a lot like Marquez or Stone or those special riders that does one thing that other riders struggle to do. Here in superbikes, he has that advantage. MotoGP with the aero load on the front tyre, the carbon brakes, and then the limitations you have with a Michelin front compared to say a Bridgestone front in the past or a Pirelli front in World SBK, it takes away from his advantage. But Toprak's so talented that you want to see him get that chance. And I think one of the most interesting things is you mentioned about the fact that he's made that transition from I want to be here in World Superbikes, I want to be a legend in Superbikes, to now saying that the dream is to go to MotoGP. Part of that comes down to the fact is he knows that Alvaro Bautista's here for probably another year at least. So you've got... 2022, 2023, potentially 2024, where it's going to be very difficult to win a world championship. So for Top Rack, this is, this is the time to move, potentially. Yeah, I mean, if you've won World Superbike and you get a genuine chance to go to MotoGP, you should definitely take it. I think that's a lesson in history. And you should probably push to take it. Um, it doesn't happen for a lot of people and it doesn't come off for some other people. We've seen that over the years. Um, but Top Rack, is a, in terms of pure talent, he is really, really special. Somebody like Ray should have went to MotoGP because he's such a complete rider. Whatever you threw at him, he could adapt and overcome and, and still win. And his desire to win is gigantic, etc. But Top Rack's individual riding style and talent, even Johnny knew from an early stage that he's going to be trouble. And he ended up winning a World Championship on his own merit. On a good bike, but not the fastest bike and not the most developed bike. 
which is what his rivals had. Because his talent shone through. It wasn't straightforward, but his talent allowed him to, to fight for the World Championship and then win it. Johnny's a good comparison, really, because Johnny came in as the prodigy. He was, what, 17 when he jumped on a superbike in Britain and, yeah. uh, you know, instantly very yeah, fast in BSB, BSB and pretty much any any record you want to yeah. look at, it, it's Johnny's name on it. But he was a very complete package from the outset. Very fit, strong, capable, right from the start of his career. Toprak was a little bit different because I remember whenever I first came here, Toprak was in Stockhausen at that stage. He had moved up from Stock 600 and he was viewed as being super talented I remember everyone telling me you got to keep an eye on this kid and I remember whenever he came out in Stockthow he didn't blow the doors off you like obviously the Ducati at that point seemed to have a, a little bit of an advantage in the stock yes, class sure. it was him against Rinaldi but Toprak looked very good but not rounded at all and then when Toprak started to jump onto the superbike work with Phil Maron as his crew chief suddenly all the sharp edges started to get rounded off and Toprak suddenly became much better at testing. I remember whenever he'd really struggle to stick to a, a work plan and stick to doing all the laps, grinding out the miles. He'd struggle with his fitness. And then all those things have gradually not yeah. been an issue. And now you look at him and he's he's a very complete package. And this is the this is the opportunity for him to go to MotoGP. But I, I also struggle to see where he goes on the Yamaha because I don't think Yamaha are that keen to put him on the bike. I think the test was a good example of that. We heard from Lynn Jarvis where it seemed that Yamaha were a little bit underwhelmed by top rack. And, you know, this seemed that there was almost like a couple of cards taken out of the deck for top rack last week in Aragon. Yeah, and you got to also remember that 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 could be true. I'm not putting words in it. I'm not trying to interpret something I haven't paid a huge amount of attention to. I've been busy on the build-up with this, to be honest, coming back to Superbikes, but it could also be a negotiating, con, you know, yeah. gambit to say uh, the price becomes lower. Then um, it could be something like that. It could be a mix of all those things. If you're looking at top rack to go to MotoGP, especially if you're Yamaha, you say, okay, why not? Because that bike is good and bad, good and bad. It's not a, the Ducati is the best bike there now, so they're slightly um, toiling a bit. Um, top rack's problem in the past was inconsistency and a lack of maturity. I don't mean. Um, riding maturity understanding remember everything he's done has been outside of his own culture and all he wants to do is go back to Turkey he wants to race and win and see all his friends here but he wants to go back and live in Turkey spend time with his brother and his family and his friends and ride do all his training he's not like all the other guys he's a very different person this is one of the things that is very difficult for people outside of the superbike paddock to understand Toprak is Toprak's a softy. You know, he needs people around him that support him. He needs he needs that family atmosphere. He has that with Crescent hugely. And yeah. people around him that they'd uh, they throw themselves in front of a bus for him at this stage. And he needs that. And also, Toprak has never been a kind of guy that needs to be in a Grand Prix paddock. He needs to be away for 21 rounds a year to prove himself. He's always been happy here. But I think a big factor and it's going to come down to whether or not he thinks he can win here. And that could also yeah. lead to him thinking, you know what, maybe no, maybe it's worth it's looking at another point. bike here as well. Yeah, no, it's a perfect point, Steve. You made it earlier and you made it again there and, and you're absolutely right. Um, you know, you have to take that into consideration as well. Um, it's a strange time. You know, we've got one standout rider in bike accommodation here at the moment 
um, which is working incredibly well. Um, and did in 19 until it all went wrong. I don't, don't think we're in the same... We weren't in the same situation last year. I don't see that happening again this year. They all learn from the mistakes. Toprak's done that to develop, to do what he's, he's doing. But if he gets a chance, and it's a genuine chance and they're serious about it, he should go. We've seen lots of people leave here on a nearly bike in MotoGP. So what's happening? They're taking a step up. They're taking a step into a different world. Tyres, chassis stiffness, everything. Now you've got the extra complications of aero and stuff, all that, which we've got. The Yamaha's got nothing, you know. So it's a whole new world as well. You have to ride to the way the bike is. There's lots of things you could put as a barrier in the way, but if he gets a genuine chance, but it has to be a genuine chance, he should go. So from his side, I'd be looking at it going, "Am I actually going to get a fair crack of the whip here?" Because if he isn't, then he might as well stay here and hope for a better bike, or eventually, why not change manufacturers? If you can't beat him, join him. What about you, Gordo? Do you want to see him get the chance in MotoGP? I want to see him get the right chance. I don't want to see him get um, whatever anybody sees or reads or anything else. I used to work in MotoGP as well as here, and BSB as well as here. I've worked in a lot of different areas. And the default setting for the MotoGP paddock is a superbike guy. Well, you know, they don't think much of him before they turn up. Um, that's a hard thing to, to, to face on onto for any rider. Um, he's in a different situation from, for example, Eugene Laverty, who's a very good rider, but he went to MotoGP, didn't get the greatest bikes. No surprise, it didn't quite work out the way he might have hoped. Um, other people have done the same, Loris Baz, etc. Um, to me, you have to be a rider of the quality of top rank to be able to go to MotoGP because it's such a step up, but it's also a step sideways. It's a different category. It's not just a faster superbike anymore. They are now officially different, even though they're basically look, underneath all that bodywork and aero, it looks like a superbike. Well, it's not. They've finally made that really big, not finally, but it's been a while now, but especially now, they're moving further and further into Formula 1 style tennis. Yeah, they're into full prototypes now. Yeah, when you saw Rossi's M1, you know, when he first went to, to when he first joined Yamaha, it just looked like an R1. You know, yeah, I mean, you, when you dug underneath a bit, you can see where the, the things were different and things were prototype. But now, those things are, every little bit of bodywork, every, you know, the pneumatic valves, all the things that they should have had when, when MotoGP went four-stroke in the first place, um, it's caused them problems because the performance is so high. But they are different. There's now blue water, lots of it, between a superbike and a MotoGP bike. I'm loath to say it, but I have to say it, because it's the exact same as when Garrett Gerloff came over from Moto America. When Gerloff came over, one of the big things I said was, Garrett's a very talented rider. You could you could see that. We'd seen it whenever we went to Laguna and he was in the support classes. You could see the talent that was there. But until he came over and was able to prove that a rider could come from Moto America, there was a doubt about the depth of field, the quality that's there. World Superbikes is in the exact same situation. Like, everyone in this paddock can look at the level of riders, teams, look at Top Rack and see the talent that's there. But until we get a rider going from World Superbikes to MotoGP again and have success, there's a question mark about whether or not you can take riders from here. And that's why I'd love to see Top Rack go on the right bike and be able to show what he can do. Yeah. But then there's the other side of me that thinks, you know what, I work on World Superbikes, I want to see Top Rack here yeah. as well. And it's, it's, it's such a big conflict. But I think it's one that 
is very difficult to resolve until we see what opportunity Toprak gets and that's where it's going to be key and I think that's where you know, we'll kind of move on now to talk a little bit about this weekend because we're here at the, the TT circuit in Assen, one of the most historic venues in all of motorcycle racing. We've got a big crowd expected this weekend. We know that they're here to cheer on one man, Michael Vandermark. We've got an interview with Michael, we're going to play that in a second. But for Vandermark for this weekend, this is a real chance because he's fully fit at his home round. He always goes well here. The BMW's coming stronger. He was very good at the last round in Indonesia. Didn't complain, got his head down, just worked on the bike. He seems pretty happy with himself right now. Yeah, I mean, it must have been a very, very long period of recuperation um, after, and he had two big injuries recently to get over. Um, and a bike that's working, not working, depends on which way the wind blows, how it's set up. But yeah, Mike is a talent, and he's a homegrown talent here. Not just for Assen, but for World Super Sport, Super Stock, Super Sport. He's, you know, he's a proper package that's been developed and honed inside this paddock. Um, personally, I'd like to see him stay on the Yamaha instead of leaving to go and ride for someone else. And like, to, you know, went toe-to-toe with Toprak. I think that would have been very interesting if that was, if that scenario was actually possible in reality for a few years. Um but yeah, Mikey's got a lot of talent that's only been stopped from being uh, exposed by injury recently. Um, and obviously, his motorbike is still too inconsistent. It's a fast thing, but it's not doesn't seem to behave itself very well. Um, but at Assen, with your blood up, in Superbike, you need to have the bike, the right bike and the bike set up properly to win now, more than you've ever had before. But the rider can still make a bit of difference. Riding harder won't necessarily get you a better result. Riding better, you can you can change the result from a third to first, from fifth to third, using your head. And yeah, who knows for Mikey this weekend? We'll see. Well, let's hear from Michael Vandermark now. BMW World Superbike rider sat down with us just a couple of moments ago to give his thoughts on his home round. Michael Vandermark, good to have you on the Paddock Pass podcast, and we're obviously here in Assen, your home round. This is always an exciting weekend for you. Yeah, it's always an exciting weekend for sure. Um, well, first of all, of course, it's my home round, but also uh, I really like to, to ride at this track, so um, uh, I think the whole grid loves to ride here, so it's double exciting. What about for you the pressures of being at home as well? Because you've obviously had some really good results here in the past, but what gives you that lift? Well, yeah, it's quite funny, uh, you know, everyone always talks about oh, pressure for your home race, well, this and that, but honestly, I want to win every weekend, so, you know, they're always talking about pressure, but I want to win every weekend, so in theory, it doesn't make any difference for me this, this round, but for some reason, I always find a bit of extra speed at my home round, and I don't know what it is, I don't know, uh, because... You know, of course, I've ridden this track a million times, but so did, for example, Johnny. You know, so it's not that it's your, you know, because it's your home track, you know, you you have more experience. It's just, I don't know why I always get a little bit quicker here, but, uh, you know, we've seen examples in the past where people had a home race filled. Luckily, I'm on the yes. other side. <laughs> <laughs> this is obviously a track, though, Mikey, where experience makes a big difference. You've got a lot of cambered and off-cambered corners. You've got lots of places where one corner leads into the next. And 
having the experience makes a difference and having the confidence here seems to make the biggest difference really for a rider yeah I think you know especially the the, the confidence is, is a big thing here because it always it flows from one corner into another and you know I think at this this level uh, of riders right now everyone knows how to like read the corner you know but put them all together is always this last last bit so um, yeah I think it's just confidence and to be honest if I ride a dozen because of the natural flow of this track I always feel confident even even if the bike isn't as good as I want it to be it's just you know that flow I have here gives me confidence and then that makes me go quicker how good is it to be fully fit this weekend compared to last year coming back yeah it's it's really nice you know no no real doubts you know we can just focus on the bike focus on riding and last year i, th- I felt really good uh, i thought i felt really good went out wasn't as easy but uh, it, it was getting better throughout the weekend and uh, on sunday even managed to get into the top 10 so that wasn't bad but it's a lot more relaxed now to just walk into the garage normal and uh and be ready to jump on the bike. Well, actually, be able to walk in is quite nice as well. <laughs> yeah. With with this bike for this year, obviously, there's been a lot of upgrades to the bike over the last couple of years. A lot of investment from BMW. Like, where is the bike actually at right now? Well, I think if if we look back, for example, Indonesia, we were sixth race one. We didn't change. We you know, all weekend we worked fast. I think we, you know, there's always. It was a little bit missing here and there, but it was not bad. So I think around P6 is where the bike at least should be. Uh, but this year's World Superbike is closer than ever before. So if you do, it depends really on your lap. You know, some lap. If you do a low 41 1 1, you're like, I don't know, 8. If you do a 41 1 9, you're like 12. So this is how close it is so uh, but i think in if you look at the bikes itself we have a really good bike uh, and it's not as bad as everyone says it is it's not a bad time for dutch racing as well we've got colin Weyer in moto 3 ben schneider had a podium in moto 2 last weekend jeffrey bowles back in 300s he's a former world champion and then in uh, super sport glenn van stralen's up there you're obviously on the super bike it's nice to see so many dutch riders in the world championships yeah, I think it's it's fantastic, and uh, I think this is why a lot of years ago uh, they, they started with this junior track here. Uh, they invested a lot in in in, in young riders, young, young talents, and um, also they took the right choices. You know, race in Spain, race there, and, and they, it's quite nice now to see that almost every class there's a Dutch guy doing doing well, and I think that's what make this you know make the sport even bigger in the Netherlands it takes some time but as always you know first you have to win and then you've got a lot of fans and friends but uh, it's just how it goes but it's good that we have some good Dutch people in every class now and a lot of fans here as well obviously the Dutch GT is a massive crowd but for superbikes we end up the whole grandstand is full and the atmosphere is always special yeah you know, of course, you you cannot compare it with the Dutch TT, but for a superbike, uh, yeah, you will always see the grandstand full of people, the last corner full of people, and these people they just love racing. They love it's a different 
think sometimes different kind of people come to World Superbike. Plus, they've got so many races to see. On Saturday, there's at least three or four races to see. On Sunday, even more. So, if they want to see some racing all day long, yeah, you, you come to World Superbike. That's great. Thanks, Mikey. Great to have Vandermark's thoughts going into this weekend, but he's not the only rider we have on the pod this weekend. We've also got Bradley Ray, and uh, Brad's one of the interesting talking points coming into this weekend, Gordo, because this is a rider that's had a lot of success in Britain, obviously the reigning BSB champion, finally gets his chance on the world stage. And, you know, Brad's a talented rider. There's a lot going for him this season, and I'm really interested to see how it goes. Yeah, I think we're, in his, we're, we're doing a little shadow play here of top rank to MotoGP, Bradley Ray to World Superbike. It used to be that any top rider from BSB, America, Australia, would just walk into World Superbike and be competitive straight away. They would get good bikes, they would get good teams, and they'd be competitive straight away. We have to be a little bit... Uh, we have to cut Bradley some slack. If people think that he's going to turn up here and pop in really serious results... I would be very pleasantly surprised. But do not bag the guy because of it. He's the reigning BSP champion. You can see how good a rider is. People talked about him. I haven't been to BSP races for a long time. But when you asked who's the next rider, he was one of those names that came up over the last few years. Now he's got a chance to show something, but he has to learn. The first the word they keep using more than any other, since I've spoken to him, I tested in Portugal on the phone recently, and today is learn. I've got to learn, he's got to learn. And he does have to learn because this is a step up and a step over for him. The good news is he's on Yamaha and the good news is he's on Pirelli's. But it is a, so there's lots of similarities and his Moto X racing team is, is pretty good for a relatively new to World Championship team. But please do not anybody expect miracles from Bradley Ray. What we can expect is him to learn, to do well, probably surprise a few people that don't know anything about him. I think there's no reason with it that having Shane Shaky Burn as his manager and mentor, having a good ambitious team behind him, and all the other things. This is Superbike. There's still opportunities for people to do it because your bikes are relatively even, and the rider. It's all up to the rider and his crew to get the bike working properly. If you can do that, the sky's the limit for the guy. But let's just not judge him too harshly if he if if he, the first few rounds aren't you know world beaten. Because it's a, he's moving into a whole different world now, but there's no reason why he might not be an instant success either. And it would be great if he did, because then it shows other people in BSB or AMA or anywhere else that there is a path to going world championship without having to join, a, you know, a, a rookies this or rookies that or a talent cup. You can still do it the old-fashioned way by being successful in the domestic championship. But give you know, give the guy some time. That's what I'm saying. I'm I'm really interested to see how the season goes. I'm interested to see how this weekend goes as well. It's track he knows and speaking to him, he's really enthusiastic about the yeah. challenge. So yeah. let's listen to what Brad had to say. Bradley Ray joining us as well on the Paddock Class podcast this weekend. Yeah. And Brad, finally, you're a world championship rider full time. Yeah, super excited. It's uh, it's, yeah, it's quite nice actually. Obviously, it's been a while since I had my last race in um, in Brands in October last year. So. Yeah, it's going to be a, going to be nice to actually get back to like a, a race weekend and get get back into into the groove of it really. But had some good tests over the over the winter time. Um, 
really looking forward to, to finally getting getting underway now and getting stuck into the World Championship. How important was it for you to get the chance now? You've obviously won BSB last year, so you've achieved everything you can on the national stage, and now you finally had the chance to, to come to the world stage. Yeah. Even if it is only the European rounds, it's still still a, a good transition into yeah. hopefully full-time role no, in the future. No, 100%. I mean, nowadays it's, it's quite difficult to to get an opportunity to move into World Superbikes from BSB. Um, and, and obviously winning the championship last year, I'd done what I needed to do um, and, and sort of finished finished my my um, my task in BSB, if you like, and, and finally lifted the trophy at the end of the year. So I had an opportunity to move to World Superbikes with Moto2x, uh, obviously only doing Europeans, but for me, I just wanted to, to make the step into World Championship. I've always wanted to, to have a dream of being a world champion. I'm not, unfortunately not going to have that at BSB. So the chance coming on to come into to World Superbikes um, with Yamaha. And um, yeah, just super, super excited to start start my um, my sort of career again here. I remember in 2018, obviously, the, the double at Donington. I remember saying at the time that if you had one more good weekend before there was the break, whether it was Olton or wherever it would have been to have another win or podiums, that you would have gotten the chance then to come to Worlds. Yeah. It's taken you longer than you would have expected. Yeah, exactly. You, you've, you've had to go from, what, the Suzuki to, you went to a different bike as well, and then on to BMW, yeah, BMW, BMW, and then on to the Yamaha. So you, you've had to work your way around. To yeah, get 100%. Chance. No, it's, um, the plan was obviously do BSB for a few years and try and, like you say, try and get into the World Superbikes as, as early as possible and as young as possible. Um, but yeah, the years went by and, and the, the opportunities weren't there. My results weren't good enough to, to give me a, a World Superbike ride. So uh, it was almost like a case of, of just being in BSB then and, and making the, the best job I could. And obviously last year with, with being on Yamaha, I knew it was my best chance to fight for a championship. Um, and the dream's always still been to, to come to World Superbikes and, and be a world champion. So. I'm looking forward to finally getting it getting it started this weekend. Um, come to Aston, the track that I, I already know that I've raced at BSB, so that takes a lot of time and pressure off me learning a new circuit and getting up to speed. So uh, yeah, it's going to be going to be uh, going to be difficult. Obviously, it's going to be a completely different strategy throughout the weekend for me, um, the way I go about things. But yeah, this this year is going to be a, a massive learning year, and I'm looking forward to, to getting stuck in. The Moto X team is quite an underrated team. Because I remember when they were in the Stock Thousand class, you talked to the riders that were with them, and they always said it was a very well organised team. And you were actually quite lucky that there's not much expectation for you, but the team actually seems pretty yeah. well grounded. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Team, team are bang on. The, the the equipment they've got is is everything up to date. Um, the crew they got are amazing. Everything is is sort of like a lot more than what you see on the outside. Um, it's a little little run team, but. The, everything they've got is is enough to, to be on the podium and win races if I'm honest with you so um, yeah for, for me there's no expectation to do do like a, a massive job um, as long as I'm progressing and learning and same with the team I think we're just going to grow and bond bond together and, and hopefully make steps throughout this year but it'd be nice to get this weekend sort of moving and, and get, get like three races under my belt understand the qualifying understand all the practices and and then head to head to the next round with a little bit more of a clear understanding. See, one of the big things with Yamaha is there's a lot of Yamahas on the grid, but there are also a lot of good riders on it. You've got Top Rack, obviously, at the, the, the top of the tree, 
but you look at Locatelli, Agutter's a world champion, Locatelli's a world champion, you've got uh, Baldessari in there as well, uh, you know, super sport and Moto2 race winner, so you put yourself into that, like, you, you know, you're going to see where you stack up. Exactly that, mate, no, it's a, that's the thing, you come into world championship and if you if you finish 10th, people look at finishing 10th and think, well, oh, he ain't done very well, but to finish 10th, I mean, the most of the people in front of you have won races in World Superbikes or won World Championships, so you're not you're not against no idiots out here. Um, so that's what obviously you've got to understand coming into it. But yeah, I've got a I've got a good motive. I know where I need to need to be working, and I know sort of the people I need to be with. And to be honest, as long as I'm making steps every weekend and, and getting closer and closer to the front, even reducing my race times from from the leaders and reducing my practice times it's just going to be a big learning curve but obviously for me as a a racer and a race winner um, you're always going to be hungry and wanting more so I'm always going to be pushing for for the maximum result I can get yeah I think well when we when we pick up with you later in the season it's gonna be interesting yeah exactly yeah 100% thanks thanks very much Brad no worries Obviously, Gordo, there's a lot more going on this weekend than Toprak's future, Bradley Ray being a full-time rider for the first time, Michael Vandermark being back at home. You've also got uh, the question of what's going to happen with Jonathan Ray and Kawasaki. This is this is a big test for them because the opening two rounds have been really tough. Now we're in cooler temperatures. We're back to Europe. We're back to a place where Johnny's had so much success. This is where we really get to see where the Kawasaki stacks up. If there's not good results, and I don't necessarily mean wins, for Jonathan and, in some regards, Alex this weekend, then they are in deep trouble because this is the place to do it. This is Johnny's winningest track, as some people like to say. I don't like Ian that. Wheeler loves that word, as don't far like as I know. Yeah. Winningest, but it's also kind of perfect. So you can see why we use it. Um, but this is his place. This is his riding style. This is... Um, where the rider can make a difference, he always he's one of his favourite uh, phrases to use is the rider can make a difference here, here and some other tracks, and it's absolutely true here. Um, some of the issues that they've had with the bike may be uh, not so profound here, but remember they've done two tests since they did that race, trying to simulate hot weather conditions, trying to change weight balance, or so there's a million different things they've done. Because they have a new homologation this year. It's maybe not very different, but considering it is a different bike from before, they can't just go back to Mama and put in a set in the work the last time because the bike it doesn't the engine and the everything else doesn't quite work and got new staff in the team. So there's lots of new this year for the old Kawasaki. At the minute, it's not quite working. We should should find out here if they've got everything lined up, what Johnny's real potential is this year. And Alex's. What about for Yamaha as well? Obviously, Locatelli's made a big step forward the opening few rounds. He's coming to a track where I think this is where he had his first podium. Yes. I remember in Indonesia, we were talking to him about whether or not he's going yes. to win a race soon. He looks like he's ready to make that step, but it's it's a massive step to make at the moment, considering where the Ducatis are at. And I think that kind of brings us into the, the, the other Ducatis as well. Obviously, we expect Bautista to be right at the front, but Rinaldi, Bassani, and uh, whoever else can get in the mix this weekend. It could be a very competitive field. Yes, and Asin does throw up um, close racing usually. If the top three or whoever get away, that's fine. But normally people can stay there for part of the race. So we should have the usual, hopefully, the usual Asin traffic jams out the back with people kind of saving tyres and also just enjoying themselves in slipstream. And remember, slipstream, 
is this is maybe the only track left where you've got slipstream in more than one or two opportun- uh, overtaking places. You know, you can slipstream your way to victory here. As David, who will be here this weekend, will be sure to say, you know, the Venschlang it becomes critical and all the other names of corners that we can't really pronounce. You say Venschlang, I'd say Venschlang. Yeah, I'd say David would say that you're correct with that. No, you say potato, I say potato. I say spuds, Gordo, but uh, <laughs> I also say that it's it's time for the race and the start and uh, we're looking forward to this weekend. Where can everyone catch all of your news through the weekend, Gordo? Uh, through the weekend, I'll be doing stuff for uh, Bike Sport News, which is my UK magazine, at the wrap-up of the weekend. And actually, through the weekend as well, Cycle News in America. Um, I've worked for them for oof, a very long time. Same for Australian Motorcycle News in Australia. Um those are my main uh, magazine clients in terms of what I do over a weekend and after a weekend. So that's where you'll find me. Check out the programme as well on on, uh, on World SBK because that's uh, mostly Gordo's work as well. So always worth having a read on that. Also make sure to check out patreon.com forward slash paddock pass podcast where we try and bring everyone as up to date as possible all the way through Grand Prix weekends in particular. But we've also got a lot of additional content through the course of a season. So Gordo, thanks for joining us. Let's uh, look forward to the third round of the World SBK season. It's going to be a good one here at Aston. Is it not the first one? Oh, right. It's been that long since we had the first two. Yeah, you can think it, it, it does actually feel a little bit like a first round, but hey, we're restarting, not starting. That's it, exactly. It's been a long gap and it's good to be back.